Hello, and welcome to You Lost Me at Namaste. I'm your host, Michelle Schoenfeld, and I am thrilled for the second week of the alcohol experiment. (laughs) Bravo, give yourself a hand. You made it through the first week. (laughs) So those of you listening who maybe are not partaking in our 30-day alcohol-free challenge, fear not, you're still going to get some great information from today's show. It'll help you with anything that you want to do better, whether it's just being happier, being healthier, making better choices in what you eat, um, maybe lose weight, exercise more, whatever it is. We're going to have some really great tips today that you can translate into everyday life. So for those of you who are doing this, fantastic. How was week one? You made it through. Bravo. (laughs) It went great for me, I will say. Um, Didn't really have any hiccups, no times that I was that tempted. Although I did have the phantom hangover, as they say. It was um, actually my birthday last week, and I was invited this week to lunch with a good friend at one of my favorite places in Washington, D.C., Peacock Cafe. And it's a place I've gone for several years for birthdays, Mother's Days, celebrations, whatever it is. So I know, my body knows, my subconscious knows that it's a place I go to celebrate. And when I celebrate, I usually have champagne or wine. In fact, I've known the people who own it for so long that very often a glass of champagne will show up to the table before we've even ordered, which is wonderful. It feels like my local cheers. But on this particular occasion, this past week, I made sure to tell everybody right away that I was alcohol-free right now, which a lot of people are doing because it's January, but I made sure that they knew so there wasn't any temptation there. And then at lunch, I ordered a glass of club soda in a wine glass with a cherry. So it looked like sparkling rosé. It was perfect. I didn't feel like I was missing out. I felt very beautiful and opulent holding this gorgeous glass and it worked. But the interesting part is that by the time I left, I felt drunk. In fact, when I was driving, I had a moment where I was like, ooh, you shouldn't be driving. And then it was like, you probably should not have had that last glass because it's hitting you now. And I was like, wait a minute, I didn't drink. Like I did not drink. And not only did I feel drunk, but later in the afternoon, I felt hung over, hung over. And I had not had one sip. And this is a phenomenon that is very, very common when you're in situations that you normally drink. And why? Well, you read about it this past week, part of it. And also I touched base on this before is that our body, when we drink, right, it produces, um, uh, really wonderful dopamine and serotonin. It makes us feel great, but it's artificial. It's not real. So that's where we get the buzz and we feel good and we feel happy, but it's not sustainable. So we get this little burst of dopamine, this little burst of serotonin, and then it actually, our body starts producing dynorphin to counteract it, to bring our body back into balance. The dynorphin is a little bit of a sedative in our brain. And so then we actually go lower than where we started once the alcohol wears off. So that's why we want the second glass, the third glass, and so on is because we want to maintain that high flying buzz. Meanwhile, all this dynorphin is being produced that sedates us and makes us feel like crap to try to keep us in balance. So in this particular occasion, since my body's so smart, our bodies are so smart people, It knows when I go there, I usually drink. So ahead of time, it started producing dynorphin to get ready. Well, then I didn't drink. So I had this floating around and it made me tired. It made me feel dizzy. It made me feel foggy. 
So instead of being upset about it, I thought it was really interesting. I'm like, this is so cool what our bodies do. That said, I don't love the feeling and I can't wait to be clean enough that that doesn't happen anymore. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. So if any of you had something like that, I want to know. In fact, as a reminder, anything that you're experiencing that you would like to share, please send me a DM on Instagram at you lost me at namaste or Michelle Schoenfeld official, or drop me an email at Michelle at Michelle Because not only do I want to hear what you're going through, but I want to share it on the show. Everybody wants to know what's going out. We all have such different experiences in what's going on in our own life that what seems like maybe boring or basic to you is going to really resonate with somebody else out there. So if you feel like sharing, please do. Um, so what looking ahead at this second week, we are going to cover self-talk and how to change that up, right? The stories that we tell to ourselves, and that's positive and negative, you know, that, oh, I can't go on that trip because every, everybody will be drinking or I can't go to that birthday celebration because everybody's going to be upset that I'm not drinking. Um, that's part of it. Or that maybe you can't handle it, or I can just have one moderation's fine. Right. Any of those things that we tell ourselves that isn't true. There's so many things that we tell ourselves in self-talk that we don't even realize isn't actually true. So we're going to look at that this week and kind of analyzing and turning that around, changing that up. We're also going to talk about the power of gratitude and how you have the power to take control. There's a really great little writing exercise on that. Um, and it's for anything, right? Being gra- grateful for anything. It can be that you're feeling better, that you've made it through the first week. It can be a beautiful blue sky day. You know, it doesn't matter how big or how small it's just showing gratitude. And the more that you make the conscious, um, effort. So really pay attention to how you're feeling and the thoughts that come through your mind, even if they're minor, the more you pay attention, the more it will be on your radar, the more they'll start to stand out and it will be contagious in the most wonderful, beautiful way, right? We know the law of attraction, like attracts, like negative attracts, negative, positive attracts, positive. So the more happy thoughts and the more moments of gratitude that you stop and recognize, the more you will realize are there. In fact, write them down, jot them down, put them in a voice memo, put them in your notes in your phone, or just even if you're just making a mental note, but just be aware, bring your awareness to things that you have to be gratitude or grateful for, because it will bring you power. (laughs) It'll bring you power. Um, We're also going to talk about um, how to handle this with your friends or family, or when you're going out, I will say the one thing is, is don't preach. Nobody wants to hear it right? If people are in this great, they're excited. They know why you're here. They know why they are here, but if they're not, if they haven't made the same decision you have to partake in this experience or do a dry January or something like that, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear about alcohol as a toxin and a poison. They don't want to hear about the damage it does to your body. They just don't want to hear it. And it'll make you not fun to be around. So be really careful not to preach because when we do something like this, that's so exciting and feels empowering, empowering, and we're proud of, it can be very tempting to want to share everything that we're learning. And trust me, unless people are going through it themselves, they don't want to know. Now, if they ask, it's a little different if they ask, but usually just simply, you know, letting them know you're doing it is enough. So another thing that has come up is people not really being sure 
how to answer or how to handle, um, that you aren't drinking because you want to engage in social situations still, right? You still want to go to the parties, to the dinners, to the events, to, you know, whatever it is, the social gatherings, you don't want to deny yourself because this is about celebrating life without alcohol, not about denying, not about lack. And so some suggestions that Annie Grace gives in the book are simply saying, you know, I can't tonight I'm driving or I overdid it last night. So I'm taking the night off. Um, I'm on a detox and it doesn't allow alcohol or I'm watching my weight or I'm trying to cut back. And you can say you're doing the alcohol challenge. That's super exciting too. Or just, I don't feel like it tonight, but sometimes people just don't have the strength. And if you're one of those people that just doesn't quite have the confidence, um, or feel quite strong enough to just come out and say, you're not drinking alcohol. There's no harm in just saying, I can't tonight I'm driving or I'm doing a detox. So I'm not having alcohol this week or this month or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You know, I want to feel good tomorrow. I have an early morning, whatever, whatever it is to take the pressure off. And also, you know, your audience, right? Some people are just super judgmental. And if you are afraid of the judgment, then just don't put yourself in that situation verbally. You still want to go, of course, but just think of something to say that will diffuse the situation. There's really nothing wrong with that. It's not that you're not being authentic. It's that you're protecting your energy and protecting yourself in this commitment that you made to yourself into this pledge that you made to yourself to go the 30 days. This is also like, you don't have to justify yourself to anybody, right? We know that sometimes we feel like we do, but we really, really don't. And other people's opinions are not your business, (laughs) right? Their opinion of you is not your business. (laughs) So, but sometimes it's hard. I realize that peer pressure can be tough no matter how old you are. (laughs) So whatever you need to do. Another thing we'll address this week is sugar and sugar cravings, especially if you're a regular drinker, if you have been in the past, sugar gets broken down. I mean, sorry, alcohol gets broken down into sugar, right? And our body becomes used to it and we get used to what it feels like to having that. So a really great way to help curb those sugar cravings are to drink a lot of extra water, to have fruit or drink some fruit juice. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're also trying to watch your weight, don't worry. They have shown now that eating fresh fruit really does not contribute to weight gain. It simply doesn't, but also it's natural and it's important to you to have this right now. Don't worry about anything else except not having the alcohol. So having some fruit or fruit juice keeps you from having that drink. Then that's all that matters right now. So go for it. This is not a time to restrict yourself with everything in your life. Um, and also having fermented food or fermented, fermented drinks is an excellent way to curb these sugar cravings and also do something good for your gut health. And you might think, wait, wine's fermented, alcohol's fermented, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, not cooked fermented, but like, uh, like a sauerkraut or pickles, things like that, that are fermented naturally. You don't want cooked in a can that doesn't work. It doesn't have the same probiotics and the same benefits. You want something that's small batch. Usually it's in a jar, it's in the refrigerator section or at the deli. Those are a great way. Tons of probiotics, good for you. Or, and I should say kombucha. (laughs) So I was late to the kombucha bandwagon. I had it a little as a child and hated it. Tried it again um, as an adult, didn't love it. And probably about seven or eight years ago, fell in love with it. Kombucha is a fermented drink, usually has tea. So there's a little bit of caffeine in there. And you may have also heard that kombucha can have alcohol. So it does. It does have um, small traces, low, low dose of alcohol. 
And Annie Grace has said in the book that it is totally fine to have these small amounts. It is not going to trick your body. It doesn't think it's alcohol. It's such small amounts. So don't worry about that. And I'm not talking about hard kombucha, by the way, they do sell hard kombucha, which is a high alcohol kombucha. I'm talking about just the regular kombucha that you buy in the refrigerator section of your grocery store. Um, so it's really good for you. Like I said, it has a little bit of caffeine, so I wouldn't drink it at night. Um, and, but it's just so good for your gut health. I love the bubbles. And in fact, I love that bars are starting to serve it now. There's definitely bars in DC, um, bars I've been to in Miami that have it on tap. So instead of ordering a beer, you can order a kombucha and again, not hard kombucha, just regular, but I think that's an excellent alternative, which leads me into the cultural shifts. We're also going to talk this week about the cultural shift in drinking less or not drinking at all. It really is a global phenomenon that is taking off and start paying attention to it where you're seeing that they are talking about not drinking or being alcohol free is really becoming a very positive movement, not just in the United States, but around the world. So, you know, pay attention when you notice in a TV show or a movie plot line that they enter that in there, or maybe an ad or maybe just even like on Instagram or social media, you know, our, my phone at least now is full of ads for alcohol-free craft cocktails and alcohol-free wine and bubbles and all sorts of really yummy elixirs that we can do to, to drink instead of alcohol. In fact, at the end of this experiment, I'm going to have some links for you all that you can try some of these products with a savings code. So stay tuned for that if you want to try. And also if there's something that you love an alcohol-free wine or drink or mocktail, share it with me as well. And I will share it with the audience. Uh, let's see, moving along. We're going to talk about happiness and how important that is as well. We're going to talk about the body brain and the connection with alcohol. Um, it's that's really interesting. That's my jam as a wellness expert. Oh my gosh. I love that part. Um, one of my favorite things and what well, favorite things I love the mind body connection, of course, but the body brain and alcohol, you know, there was a study landmark study done um, in 1988, that's how long ago, 1988. In fact, a lot of listeners, I'm sure you guys weren't even born yet that alcohol, and I definitely wasn't legal to be drinking alcohol. <laughs> I was born, but wasn't drinking. They found in 1988 that alcohol causes cancer. It is, it was classified as a carcinogen people, a carcinogen. That means it causes cancer. We know it causes cancer. In fact, there's a direct link to breast cancer, but just cancer in general. And yet people still drink it. It's insane. It's insane that we've made it think that it's okay, right? That it's okay. And it's not. In fact, when you feel hungover, it's because you were poisoned because you put poison in your body and that's how your body is reacting. Never mind if you really drink too much one night and you vomit, right? I think pretty much anybody who has drank in their life has had a day where they're throwing up later or the next day because they drank that much. And it doesn't mean like alcohol poisoning, you have to have, you know, 10, 20 drinks. Any drink is alcohol poisoning. One drink is alcohol poisoning. There is no safety in moderation. Talk about self-talk. We have somehow convinced ourselves that there is moderation or there's a safe level. There's really not. There is no safe level as far as the effects it has on your body. Of course, safe for driving. Yeah, sure. Safe for, you know, functioning daily. Sure. But long-term the effects in your body, there's no such thing as moderation. It is a poison. And that's why we feel hungover. That's why we throw up. It's our body's response to being poisoned people. <laughs> so 
We're going to talk about that towards the end of week two. And we also get to talk about sex, baby. (laughs) It's so fun. I love talking about that. You know, it's so often we're conditioned that, you know, drinking makes sex better, right? Think about when you're younger and you, you know, got a little drunk or had a buzz and you have this great sex because it lowers your inhibitions. It makes you try things. Maybe you hadn't tried before. It makes you able to dirty talk or say things that you actually like that maybe in your normal life, you're too shy to say or ask for or do. So we think, oh, it's great. It makes it better. It lowers your inhibitions. No, 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 no. We think that, but that's not actually true. What it does, what it does do is it makes us have sloppy sex. It has bad consequences. Sometimes you sleep with somebody you don't want to sleep with. You do something you don't want to do, or you don't remember something that you really wish you did. And in addition to that, talk about the body. It lowers testosterone at a huge level, you know, not to be vulgar, but you know, we've all heard the term, I guess, whiskey dick, right? Basically when a guy drinks too much alcohol and can't get it up, can't get hard to perform. Well, it's because the testosterone is lowered so much. Well, it also happens for women. It also happens for women and it affects your libido and over time, long-term the effects of alcohol for men and for women, but especially for women, because we don't think of this is hair loss is dull skin is belly fat is rapid aging, rapid aging, just hearing the hair loss and rapid aging alone, never mind the lack of libido. Mm, that's enough to quit drinking. So it's fun to talk about sex. I love it. <laughs> little racy in the afternoon. Um, but we really got to look at what these effects are. So I'm not going to go on and on for everything that's coming up this week, because I want you to be excited each day to follow along. And again, if you're listening to this and you're not part of the experiment, but you want to be, this is going to be saved in the archive of you lost me at namaste forever. So you can always go back anytime you want. Maybe it's easier for you to do this in April or August or who knows when you can go back and listen to the four or five episodes in a row to help you do this on your own. It'll always, always be there for you. So really excited for this week too, to come know you guys got this. I know you can do it. Be proud of yourself. So much more to learn ahead of us. And for those of you who have signed up for the zoom and for those of you who are on the wait list, don't worry, it's coming. I'm going to do it halfway through. So look for an email from me in the next week. It'll be coming. Um, and again, if you didn't sign up in time, you can be put on the wait list. I am probably going to open up an additional zoom to accommodate you. So don't think I didn't remember you. I did. I just haven't got to that part yet. So coming up next, before we go, I have a really great interview with a woman named Susan from Arizona, who is a hundred plus days out from doing her own alcohol experiment that we are doing right now. And she is going to share with us some of her successes some of the things that have worked for her, some of the things that were tough for her. So I really hope that you stick around and listen to that interview. It's very enjoyable. It's just some great anecdotes. And then next week, I am going to have another gentleman on actually, his name is Tommy from Tennessee. And this is his third time doing the alcohol experiment. And he's going to share why he did it the other times, what has worked for him, what has not worked for him and why he thinks or doesn't think why he knows that this time is going to be different. And that's a really exciting interview that will come up next week. In addition to getting ready for our seven day green juice cleanse and detox. Yeah. So we have a lot coming up. All right. So that's it for now. 
I will um, turn it over to my little interview with Sue from Arizona. Know that you're loved, you're enough, you're born for a reason. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Michelle Schoenfeld, and here we go. Welcome, Sue, to You Lost Me at Namaste. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with the alcohol experiment with us. Oh, great. It's great to be here. So I found you on one of um, the chat rooms for actually the alcohol experiment, which I always recommend people go and check out if they're looking for a little extra support or sense of community going through this. And one of the things I really liked about your story is, first of all, I'm just going to put it out there is you are a hundred plus days out. Is that correct? Right. 105 today. Bravo. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. So would you mind telling us just a little bit briefly before I ask you some questions? um, Tell us a little bit about your story. What was your why? Hmm. I think the why of wanting to quit was there for a really long time. Um, but I just never could quite get the gumption and I attribute getting the motivation from Annie and her program on the alcohol experiment. I had started drinking, I'm 56 years old and started drinking regularly back when I was in college and it just kind of spiraled from there. I, um, and was, it was just always been such a central part of my life, alcohol with my husband. And I realized that I I didn't, I didn't want that anymore. And it's great to be on day 105. (laughs) Uh, That's so exciting. And, you know, it's interesting that you say in college, um, you know, obviously that was several years ago that you were then still able to like raise children. You're a lawyer, like having a very successful life on paper, but just kind of not feeling like totally in control, I'm guessing, or that you wanted, if it was that good with alcohol, how much better could it be without? (laughs) Oh, right, right. I think, you know, the part of being alcohol-free now is I feel so much more present and aware, and I realize, too, how much I miss. And more importantly, too, I, I have three boys, two are in college, one is in high school, and I realized how much maybe that I missed in my interactions with them as far as, uh, you know, uh, not, not quite being present. It's so true. Um, even, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, it's totally fine. It's just social or it was, you know, it was just this one time, or I was just a little hungover that day, but you're right. Even if you're still going through the motions or you're still physically there mentally, not really being the best you can be, not being the most like attentive of a listener, the most creative in your, um, and anything, I guess. Yeah. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Did you have yeah, family I support I just, to do this? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Did you have family support in this or is it something that you chose to do privately and then let them know? The latter. Yeah. yeah. I definitely wanted to make sure I had a grip on it before. In fact, I was kind of embarrassed or hesitant to even tell my husband And, um, but I, he was, I was nervous about it because he was my drinking buddy and he's been amazing and I'm lucky, um, to, to have, to have his support. I know that's not the case, uh, with so many people, but, um, I've been great for you though. Did you, um, have you tried like stopping before she talks a lot in the book about like willpower and trying and then failing, had you tried to limit or cut back before or stop completely? Oh, God, yeah. In fact, I mean, 
I used to, well, you know, I've, I've kind of had a weight issue too. I've done Weight Watchers for so long and people would always make fun of me because I would measure my wine because that was my attempt to try and take control over it. And then pretty much soon I would forget my measurement. And, but that was my way of tracking my, you know, quote unquote points. Right. And, and then, and I went to AA just a few meetings and talked about it with some counselors. And a lot of them told me I didn't have a problem. Right. And that, you know, I, and that was somewhat discouraging because I thought I needed this for my emotional health. And maybe I was, could, could be considered one of those gray area drinkers where I wasn't so bad off that no one was telling me to go get sober, but I knew in right. my heart that I needed to be there. Well, it's so interesting because a lot of it is, um, you know, any of this, like, you know, we talk about this isn't for somebody who really is a serious alcoholic or has physical addiction where they're going to be ill by quitting. Right. It's more of like analyzing your relationship with alcohol, but so much in our society, it's just not stigmatized the way it is for like a drug abuse or for something else. Right. Um, Right. So people don't necessarily take it seriously unless you actually have a problem. And then because they talk about alcoholics or alcoholism, it is like kind of embarrassing sometimes to say it or, you know, or the judgment, not only like um, worrying about judgment from others, if we say it like, oh, they're going to think I have a problem, but self-judgment as well really can play a part in this, even for me in wellness and I had to think about it a couple of times, how open and honest I wanted to be with my listeners. And of course I'm doing full disclosure because that's the whole point. But there was a moment that made me think about it because I'm in wellness. I should know better. I don't want to be judged. She should know better. She knows it's a poison and a toxin. Why would she be drinking? You know, I could have just led this and not participated myself, but I was like, no, I know what it's like to wake up and throw up because you had too much to drink. That's because you're being poisoned. I know what it's like to have a hangover for a couple of days or whatever. Like, you know, but there's that judgment. There's so much perceived judgment. And I think as women, especially now, I do have about 30% of the audience is men. A lot of the audience is younger. So I always want to be careful when I say that, but we're similar is, you know, that there, it's not a problem. It's fun. Like you're just drinking with your husband or you're just drinking with your friends. There's no problem. You're totally in control. You could choose to quit anytime if you wanted to. Meanwhile, it doesn't happen and the years go by. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and it does increase your tolerance increases and you don't quite realize how it creeps up on you. It's so true. So, um, you know, I, I get in these rants because I just feel so passionately about it. I wish we were taught in a very different way not only in school, of course, but even like in the movies and the media, what the effects of alcohol really are. And um, so now that you've been doing this and obviously all your friends and family know, do you feel like you're getting support, good support? Yeah, yeah, I am. Or still My a challenge? My sister has been real instrumental for me. She, um, she became sober about five or six years ago and I was kind of uh, rem not a real big part of that process with her, but she's been a real great um, inspiration for me. And some way, you know, I, and I think too, I would say to the listeners, it's real important to find your support, even if it's on, you know, a podcast or other members um, of finding someone that you can just at least talk to. And what about socially? I know a lot of people kind of, you know, have anxiety about that. Like, oh, but I'm more fun when I drink or people aren't going to include me 
if I'm not drinking. Did you have any issues socially or did it affect um, your kind of personality or behavior by stopping? Well, you know, that's funny that you should say that because I realize now that I actually had a dinner party last night and um, I find that I'm actually more funny. Yay, <laughs> that's awesome. They're thinking that. <laughs> but I think I was so nervous about losing it or nervous about, oh, you know, because you wake up the next morning and, oh, God, what did I say? Or how much did I divulge? Did I, did I share too much? Did I get too personal? And you go through all those self-doubts. And then I think over the years, it made me clam up. And I became more and more a quiet drunk. And now I find myself laughing and talking more and, and being much more involved. Um, that's wonderful. I love that's so inspiring. Thank you. And for everybody else who's doing the program with me, we're at the end of week one. And so you remember, like, do you remember what week one was like for you? Oh yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> don't know. You're still in that. Am I going to do this? And so many fears and doubts. Sure. Was there wow. a time that you felt like so overwhelmed that you like almost cheated or did you cheat at all in that first 30 days? No, I didn't cheat. No, I felt pretty resolute about it. Bravo. You know, I, I mentioned my, my weight history. I had had so many failures before about weight. I was, you know, starting a diet then stopping then not doing it then going back that I was like, no, I am going to get the, I'm going to, I told myself 30 days. I never planned on a hundred, but I told myself 30 and I was really moved by one of the podcasts by Scott with the alcohol experiment. He said, be unwavering, tell yourself you're going to do this and don't even think about it. Don't open the door. Don't give yourself the opportunity to think, Hmm, am I going to, am I going to cheat this one time? And so I knew I had to get 30 days, but of course, it goes without saying in week one, you're only focused on today exactly. and maybe the next hour. <laughs> I've said to people, when you journal, like, you know, you, you've taken a pledge to yourself. If you need to write that on the top of every page, every day, when you journal this like pledge and promise you made to yourself, go ahead and write it down in a positive way, just to keep reminding yourself, like you made this pledge, you can do it. There's a reason you're here. That's great. So mm -hmm. I have um, another, a dear friend, Wayne, who actually is the one who turned me on to this a year and a half ago and very similar to you. And he's a year and a half out now. He made the same commitment to himself, just going to do it for 30 days. And the 30 days turned into 60 and turned into 90. And now he's a year and a half out. And he's shared on this, how, you know, he just felt better and his skin looked better. His relationships were better, but the relationship with his self, like how he felt about himself and his own like personal pride or self-love, like really grew in a way that he didn't even know was missing until he kind of found it. Have you kind of had moments like that for yourself where you've just felt so proud of yourself or you've like looked and been like, wow, like three months, really you're in month four, you know, look how far you've come. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the treasures was my, my 15 year old son, I, I finally decided to tell him and and I that was a big part that I wanted him role model for them. Um, and I said, Can you have you noticed or can you tell any difference? And he goes, Mom, you seem happier. Oh, my gosh, that melts my heart. <laughs> That's yeah, a happy mom is a happy house, right? <laughs> That's of course. Yes, yes, yes. 
You've mentioned the yeah. weight loss. Um, would you mind sharing with us how much you've lost? Yeah, I've my I've lost thirty pounds. And, oh wow! Congratulations. Um, and during the holidays, yeah. that's really a feat. Right, right. Well, it started last January, and that's when I said I've got to quit drinking because there was always such a link. I knew that if I I didn't know which one was worse. My fear, my doubts about being you know, slightly overweight or my doubts about the drinking. And, but I felt like they were intertwined. So I was able to stop the drinking and then it, it slowly crept back. And that's when I realized that, Hey, to, they both fit in together. And, um, they're so, it's so important to realize the calorie content of all the sugar from the alcohol. It's true. And then, you know, if you do feel slightly hungover or even not either way, whether it's your inhibitions are down because you're a little buzzed or you're a little hungover the next day, you know, you crave those carbs, you crave the starchy, fatty processed, you know, comfort food, which packs on the pounds for sure. Not good for your heart. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I went for my physical and my heart rate was at 45 and I said, is something wrong? And she goes, it just sounds like you've been working out a lot. And so oh. I, I attribute that too, to the not drinking. That's so great. And it must feel good to have that 30 pounds off for sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so at the end of the 30 days, was it, um, a challenge to be like, I'm going to keep doing this or like, did you make a conscious decision or was it still one day at a time at that point? That was real. That was a watershed moment because I was really nervous that, um, I was going to go back. And I was thinking, well, am I going to, and, and I had a lot of deliberations, you know, am I, and I was so worried about though relapsing and I knew sometimes day one is the hardest. And just like you say too, the first week is the hardest. And I didn't want to repeat that over again. So I, a, a lot of people on the thread that I have through the alcohol experiment, you know, they said it, it will creep back up and creep back in. And I didn't want to have that. So no, you'd mentioned to me going. before uh, that you would have these feelings of agitation. Like you just felt agitated. Um, oh yeah. Has that like, do you feel like that subsided? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> uh, it's gotten better. Certainly you feel this agitation at five or six at the, you know, the witching hour. Right. Yes, it's gotten better. Yeah. And what do you do to get through that time? Like that, you know, yeah, what do you, know you have those moments of weakness or like where you just feel like, oh, you have to change the energy. You know, what do you do to get through it? I find that it's real for me, real time focused. I used to always drink wine while I was cooking dinner and I had to just get through dinner. And so um, making a mocktail, I, I, and I actually think that the, mocktails taste so much better now than the other alcohol that I used to drink, you know? Um, so I make, fo I focus in on, you know, having nice little sweet drinks that taste good, that look good. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. Um, well, first of all, I want to share to everybody listening is that I am going to have some links coming up towards the end for some discount codes to some really great mocktail and alcohol-free um, alcohol companies, or not alcohol companies, but drink companies. So there'll be some really great links that you guys will all be able to take advantage and try some of these cool craft um, alcohol-free cocktail companies. But the other thing is, 
when you think back, you know, to being a kid and when you first start drinking, whether you're a teenager or whenever it was that you started, you know, we didn't like it. You like took a sip or even maybe in college, you threw a shot back and you're like, squint your eyes and cough. And like, you know, it's, we don't grow up thinking alcohol tastes yummy. You know, when you're a kid, a lot, not a kid, I should say, but you know, whether it's high school for our age or college, what is this? Maybe margaritas or daiquiris or, you know, things that were sugary and tasted good. It wasn't because we just loved the taste of alcohol. That's something that kind of falsely becomes acquired. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. 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 It's it's all habit. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do now, um, is I, I actually met two friends yesterday. Same thing took me out. They wanted to go to this new, um, kind of speakeasy cocktail bar in my neighborhood. And I live in downtown Washington, DC. I really enjoy seeing this couple and, you know, of course, staying in line with the experiment is you don't say no, you go, you still go and have your fun and have your social interactions because this isn't about depriving yourself. It's not a punishment. You just go and act differently. So I went and I got there and there was a split second where I was like, oh, like you don't have a problem. I was like, nope, (laughs) what am I going to do that will feel good? And I asked for club soda with a cherry no ice in a wine glass. And they brought it in a water glass. And I didn't want to be like the Karen. I didn't want to be the person like sent it back. But the truth is like, I've always like would joke life's too short to drink a drink that you don't like. Well, that also applies if you're drinking a mocktail or non-alcoholic. I wanted the feeling like it's an oral fixation for sure, but I wanted the feeling of a really beautiful glass. And the guy was so nice when I told him. He brought me a champagne glass with the club soda and a cherry in the bottom. And so I sat there and drank this beautiful champagne glass. And, you know, when you put a cherry in club soda versus like a lime or lemon, it makes it look like sparkling rose. And mm. so it was beautiful. And then for me at the very end, I had this little cherry treat and I felt very opulent and happy. There wasn't one part of me that missed when they were getting their cocktails. Um, because it just felt beautiful to have this gorgeous like champagne glass with a little slightly pink bubbles in it. (laughs) And were your friends supportive? They were so supportive. They really, really were. And, um, one of them even was like, Oh, I should have done that with you. And I'm like, well, it's not too late. And I'll probably do this program again at the end of summer for other listeners. I have a decent amount of listeners in the Southern hemisphere and it'd just be fun to catch people who didn't do it this time for whatever reason that want to do it next time. Even though these shows are like a resource library, people can always go back to the archives and start fresh. I think I'll do it again because it's just fun. You know, it's just a fun thing to do with the community and, and I love giving back, but they really were supportive. And one of them said, well, do you mind if we drink? It's okay. We can just get tea. And I was like, no, I want you to enjoy. Like, I don't have a problem with it. It doesn't bother me at all. Like enjoy. Um, I know everybody's different. Some people maybe couldn't see it or didn't want their friends to drink. So I thought it was very kind that they offered to do like tea or coffee instead, but it didn't bother me at all. I was like, no, absolutely. Like enjoy, you know? Yeah. yeah. How about you with your friends? What has your experience been like being out? Um, they are, you know, sometimes I feel a little self-conscious. I went to a cocktail hour with about eight women and the one woman who did know announced it to the whole group. And I didn't know these people very well. And I have to say sometimes too, I feel like it's a very personal decision. Um, I kind of felt a little, I think she was trying to be positive about it, but I felt a little bit exposed or uh, uncomfortable. 
Um, but it was, you know, it was all right. It was, everything's been, everyone's been pretty supportive and, um, people handle it differently. Some people ask questions about it or some people don't. And I think for me, maybe it's a little easier now because, you know, so many people are doing dry January. That's kind of like a trendy thing. And I will actually, if it's appropriate say, well, actually what I'm doing is something called the alcohol experiment. It's a little different because I think although dry January is wonderful, there's not a lot of education that goes along with it. So people still feel like they're being deprived or they're not really sure how to do it. And other than not drinking, and as you know, there's so much more that goes into it than not drinking is how our brain is wired and how we're programmed and how we set new habits. Um, Where I love in the alcohol experiment, this is not about being deprived. It's like really exciting what you're doing for yourself, but you're right. That judgment is there. It is there. People just do. You know, they just do. And so it's like learning to be okay with that and taking it from a a place of power that you're doing something so wonderful for yourself, right? So wonderful. And I always say like other people's opinions should not matter at all. We know that they do sometimes. We let them creep in, um, but they really shouldn't. It has nothing to do. It's all about your relationship with yourself that matters. Right, right. Yeah, I always like the old adage, what other people think of you is none of your business. That's my favorite. I love that too. I really do love that too. Um, and it's interesting, but you, you know, like anything it's individual, like you said, it's personal and, you know, depending, I guess, where you are in the strength on the spectrum for anybody who's listening, um, you know, if you have a strong personality and you have no problem coming right out and saying it great. And if, you know, if you are on the shyer side or you're a little bit more of an introvert and don't want it, um, you're just not sure how to handle it yet. You know, there's nothing wrong with excusing yourself to the restroom and pulling your waitress or waiter aside and saying, you know, I'm going to order, but would you mind bringing me virgin drinks all night? Or would you mind, you know, throughout the evening filling up my champagne glass with sparkling water or whatever it is, you know, it looks like a vodka tonic, but it's really club soda and a lime, whatever it is. If that's what you need to do to make yourself comfortable, because you don't want to feel anxiety. It's not about hiding. It's just about doing what works for you. How, outward facing you want to be with this, because it really is, as you said, a very personal decision and personal journey, personal journey. Right. Yeah. I, you've got to do whatever works for you. And, you know, we mentioned the weight issue too, though, but I think, and I've, I, I certainly believe that if it's going to help you to get through the night to say, um, I'm going to have dessert or I'm going to have a milkshake or something else to treat yourself, go for it. Do whatever you can just to focus on the alcohol and don't focus on any other goals or uh, deliberations or vices that you might have. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It it really does. It can, for some people, it can be a big change in routine and, um, and you're right. You know, you're right. That's, thank you for pointing that out. Do you have any other tips out there? You Um, you know, we did a little exploratory phone call before I had you on the show, of course. And you mentioned, um, if you had known then, like something about like something you would like to say to any young moms out there who may be listening. Yeah, I, um, I, if you're new in this journey, I would write down because I've already forgotten so much. I forgot how bad, you know, your memory kind of lingers and you, I want to, I wish that I would have written more down about how bad it was or how horrible I felt at 3 a.m. when I would get up and in, in the middle of the night and, um, 
you know, it's just as one example, I would, you know, I wanted to be the best mom in the world. Everybody does. And so, of course, I would read to my kids in bed, but I would read to my kids in bed with a cocktail with me. And, <laughs> and then I would be so tired that I would actually just fall asleep right there during the book reading. And oh, my God, I think back and I think, oh, my gosh, how, you know, I, I chastise myself. So I think to young moms, um, if you can get a grip on this earlier than later, it's so much better. And now too, that I have boys in college that are out partying and in fraternities, I think, oh no, they're starting the same cycle. And I wish I, I do have regrets. And I appreciated your comment that you can't be too hard on yourself. But I think, could I have set a better role model for them in their drinking habits? And um, and two, I just, yeah. And so I, if you're a young mom and you're in this program, bravo, congratulations, hang in there. It will be worth it with return in gold. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's true. Uh, you know, we can't turn back the clock. And so we really got to look at where we are now moving forward and the new relationship we have with ourselves and with our children and the examples we set. Um, it's so important moving forward and not looking back. We're not telling that story anymore. Like we don't want to hold on to that old energy and beat ourselves up. We want to let go of the judgment. We want to heal the past and move on. And that is all true. That's also important. I've done so many shows on that. I work with private clients on that. But for the point of the severity of this of situation, I'm really glad you pointed that out because you know our children do imprint, especially before the age of seven. But then you go into the you know the tween years, that pre-puberty. They're so um, there's sponges, you know, and we really do set an example for them. They pick up on that. And a lot of our own as adults drinking behavior, a lot of times can be traced back to what we saw from our parents or in movies when we were children or on family vacations or whatever it was, you know, if you're drinking is after, you know, six o'clock at night, dad comes home, mom comes home, they have a cocktail to relax. Or if it's, we're on vacation with other friends and everybody's drinking at the beach and being silly, whatever it is, we imprint on that. So it is like mm -hmm. great to try to break those habits and set healthier examples the earlier in your children's life that you can. And if you're doing this before you even have kids, really try to, that's even better because obviously we're both talking to you from the other side of that. But what I did right. say, what I'll share with the listeners, what I had said to Sue during our phone call is every experience is important. And what you went through, you went through for a reason. And there's a reason that your children went through it with you. And don't beat yourself up. Let it go. You're a good mom. You love them. You were doing the best you could at the time. And adversity can be a really beautiful thing. Adversity, in contrast, teaches lessons in a different way. And so your children have learned different things and different lessons because of your behavior as well. They learned about being stronger in certain situations. They learned different things that maybe a family that you might think is more perfect or more in a bubble, those kids didn't learn. Adversity and contrast really are so important to the journey of everybody. And um, so you need to forgive yourself a little bit and not beat yourself up so much for those kind of things. We can't change it anyway. Aww. So we might as well look at the positive part of it. And there are positives. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so true. It's so true. You can release that, let that go. You've been carrying around that guilt and you've been carrying around those like feelings of whatever it is, guilt, shame, regret, you've been carrying around enough, long enough. So it's like really time to let those go. 
you deserve to let those go now. Right. The shame's got to go. Shame's got to go. And this whole lightening your load, like not only are you like getting rid of the alcohol and healing your organs and you're eating healthier now and losing weight and feeling lighter. And it's time to let go of those negative thoughts as well. Cause they don't do any good. They just take up space. And I mean, you're a beautiful, wonderful person. Be so proud of yourself for being where you are right now. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's very, very true. I'm like, I'm sending you lots of love right now. <laughs> lots of love. <laughs> um, and anybody out there listening, like know that you know, whatever you're going through, there's somebody else going through the exact same thing. And if you want to join this, send me an email, you can log on to the alcoholexperiment.com and join some of the chat rooms there as well. That's where I actually met Sue. There's a wonderful community there. And of course, always message me on Instagram because I want to be there for you. And if you comment on posts, there's probably other people who would be happy to reach out to you as well. Or maybe you have like Sue, you have something that you can help other people with because Every story is different and somebody is going to resonate with. Somebody needs to hear what you have to say. <sighs> thank you, Sue, so much for being part well, of the show today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And congratulations to being 105 days out. <laughs> yes. It's very yes. exciting. Um, I would love to maybe reach out to you again in the future and see where you are. Would, how would you feel about that? Sure, for sure. Okay, great. And is there anything else that you would like to share with us or leave with us before we go today? Just keep journaling, read the podcast. And just on my experience, I made it through the 30 without a lapse, but I read so many of instances where people don't succeed and they say, oh, I failed. And I don't see it as success or failure. It's all just part of the spectrum and all part of the journey. And so if you quote unquote fail or relapse, just get back on the horse and just keep going and keep, keep um, doing all the things that make you strong. Beautiful words, Sue. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of You Lost Me at Namaste. If you liked it or you like this podcast in general, please take a moment and share the love by dropping me a review, giving me a rating, or sharing it with your friends. The more love and light we can spread, the better our world will be. Thank you, and until next time, namaste.